0: Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler.
1: Good morning welcome to PIC Classified. You might remember about a year ago, uh, May 31st, 2012, two years ago, I guess, uh, 2012, we had a show that was entitled, labeled as a killer, Glysty Waters. Gleisty Waters, Sam, a.k.a. Sam Waters, is back with here, us today to give us an update on his case, along with his investigator, uh, whom I know from Oregon, Mike Kiger, private investigator. Um, but just to give you a little introduction, Gary Lee Ridgway was arrested in 2001 and convicted for the murders of over 70 victims in the 70s, in the 80s and 90s. And he was called the Green River Killer. Well, Sam Waters was another victim of the Green River Killer when he was wrongfully identified as the Green River Killer in 1989 before the true killer was captured. So I welcome Sam and Mike um, to the show. Hi guys. Good morning. Uh, Sam, as I said, Sam's story if you uh, want to get the full details of his story go to the show in the archives labeled A Killer, Glyste Waters on May 31st, 2012. So. Since then, though, and I told Mike and Sam as their case developed, because I knew that Sam was doing everything he could to get his name cleared, and I told them that as they had uh, events develop to come back on the show and we would cover those. So now they've uncovered proof of a prosecutor who, say, who they say conspired, along with zealous police detectives, to, conduct, to convict an innocent citizen. Okay, Sam Waters, and they did this by suppressing evidence and coercing witnesses. Sam and Mike are um, going to give you this update, and so let me let me back up, Sam. Just briefly, tell us what you were doing in 1989 and how this developed.
2: Um, we were well. First, I want to say thank you, and I'm honored uh, to have the opportunity to uh, be on your show and uh, to bring forward information. Uh, that could be useful for a lot of citizens out there that have been wrongly uh, accused and convicted. And uh, hopefully the, the roadmap that, that I'm developing for my story uh, will be of assistance to those uh, to, uh, to be able to uh, clear their names.
1: That would be great.
2: Um, so my situation was um, I had uh, lived in San Diego for, uh, uh, for a long period of time, uh, relocated up to Oregon, and uh, was living in the Coos Bay area. And um, I had gotten a phone call from a storage uh, company down there that uh, we had to come down and get our stuff out of storage, otherwise it was going to get sold. And um, I made the road trip down there, and I was down there for probably about five days. And during my time down there, I was having some car problems, uh, and um, a police car approached my car. I was on a city street, and... uh, asked what 's going on i said well i'm trying to get my car to my transmission to to go into gear you know they have those uh the locks where you push on the brake and then it, and then it mm. allows the shifter to go into gear anyway, it was malfunctioning, so he asked me for my license um, I gave my license he asked for insurance i gave me insurance uh, forty five minutes later i 'm still sitting there and uh, he uh, requested to take my photograph mm. and it, it was kind of strange to me well you know why would you want to, why would you want my photograph and he says well you fit the description of a burglary suspect. And I'm thinking, well, at that exact moment, you know, it didn't trigger me that, hey, I've got all my stuff from storage in the back of my Honda, and, uh, you know, they didn't want to look at any of that or anything. So, Mm -hmm. but at that exact moment, I mean, that wasn't going through my mind. So, anyway, I was a little bit confused, and um, I I said, well, do I actually have a choice to do this? Is this legal? He said, well, we can do it here downtown. Well, instantly I'm thinking, oh, well, they're going to tow my car if I don't get my picture taken here. So mm-hmm. I hadn't done no crimes. Uh, I don't have a, a criminal background uh, of any of any sort. Uh, and uh, at that point, you know, I agreed and got out of the car, and, and uh, they took a picture of me, multiple pictures, and um, got back in my car, and they said, okay, you can go. And uh, that's the extent of it. Mm. And then? And then,
3: <laughs> two weeks got later. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Two weeks later, I'm uh, up in Coos Bay uh, having coffee with uh, my business partner, and uh, these two detectives rolled up in a car and uh, asked if I was uh, if I was Busty Waters, and I said, yes, I am. And uh, they proceeded to tell me that they wanted to uh, talk to me down at the police station about an incident that had occurred in San Diego. And at that point, I'm like a little bit confused, like, I wonder what's going on here. So anyway, I went with them and went down there, and we went into this little room, and he uh, slid this paper across the table uh, in front of me, and on that paper it said uh, uh, it was an arrest warrant for attempted murder, uh, attempted murder, robbery, um, kidnapping, assault, and assault with great intent uh, to a woman by the name of Helen Toy. And okay. at that point, it was just complete shock. I had, I had just, it, it's hard to describe. You know what you feel when something like that happens, and you have no knowledge of what they're even talking about
1: mm-hmm. anyway
2: that's what happened
1: so then you went
2: to trial you had a court appointed attorney so 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 i went from uh at that point you know I was under arrest and uh and uh we uh I, I had no idea what what was really going on i mean it was just like a complete shock to me but uh what happened is uh I was flown down to San Diego, and um, I was put into jail down there. And uh, for a year, I fought for my life uh, every way imaginable. Um, and uh, in the, what had happened is you're, you're assigned a public, uh, public, uh, a public attorney. I have another name for him. I call him a public pretender. But anyway, and you're, you're assigned an investigator that you actually never, hardly ever see. And, uh, you know, I, in my situation, I was locked down. 24 hours a day, uh, 23 hours a day, uh, on different occasions. But pretty much, you know, it was one hour out a day if you were lucky, Mm -hmm. and uh, and that was the extent of it. Uh, The attorney visit would be for probably a half an hour, uh, maybe an hour, and it it just you're just you just don't know what's going on. You're completely lost in the system. Mm -hmm. So as as I'm sitting in there, the lawyer is bringing me information. You know, he's he's identifying witnesses that are saying that this woman. Uh, lied and that, um, you know, that there's, it looks promising and, you know, a week goes by, a month goes by, you're thinking, well, gee, when's that door gonna open up? You know, I didn't do this crime. I mean, obviously the police are gonna, you know, figure out it's not me and, uh, and, you know, that door and the gates of hell are gonna open up and you're gonna let me let go. But as mm-hmm. the year progressed and more and more information was starting to come forward of what they weren't doing to, uh, to prove my innocence, um, I started to get the visions that it wasn't about, innocence or guilt, it was more about, hey, we need somebody to use uh, because uh, the San Diego Police Department at that time, uh, which I became very updated with as the newspapers were coming in, that uh, the San Diego Police uh, uh, detectives down there were accused of murdering prostitutes. And uh, it was uh, Donna Marie Gentile uh, was the first of 45 uh, prostitutes to die in the San Diego County area from 1985 until 1988, wow. so uh, this was bigger than anything I could ever imagine of uh, of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and uh, ending up in this in this hell on earth down there and uh, facing these these charges, and uh, just trying to understand you know why 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 I mean it just was a constant you know why me, but uh, in the end uh, it was uh, it was the attorney that I had. Uh, that uh, started to show his hand. That it, it wasn't about innocent or guilt. It was about you need to take a deal on this. You know that that you're never going to see a daylight again. You know the outside if you don't take a deal. And what kind of a deal, you, deal was it? Sam? Well, he wanted me to take. Uh, he wanted me to take a 15 year to life um, um, plea deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, you know what? I said I'm not going to. I'm not going to. say I did a crime that I did not do and sit in prison for no 15 years and and for 15 years of my life sitting there thinking to myself, why would I do that? Mm -hmm. If I didn't commit a crime, why would I write my name on a piece of paper and say I did? So I absolutely looked at him and I said, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Bill, there's no way in the world I will sign anything that says that I am guilty of being in a car with that woman doing any crimes with her at all because it never happened. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't care if I go to prison for the rest of my life. I said, I refuse to sign anything that says that I did this crime. So he just shook his head and looked at his watch and says, well, it's 5 o'clock, I want to beat the rush hour traffic, and he left. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing journey that, uh, that I took with that uh, public defender. Uh, you know, there was no depositions done uh, of anybody, uh, including Helen Toy. I mean, my lawyer didn't spend one dime doing uh any investigation work other than the bare most minimum
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: uh i i have to tell everybody out there that's listening uh, on this radio show you could be sitting in your house uh having a cup of coffee right now and the cops could knock on that door and arrest you and if they're arresting you for a crime you have no knowledge of your only hope is to get a hold of a very very good investigator uh, you know, if you have to be forced to have a public defender because you don't have the finances to fight a crime that you're not guilty of,
3: mm-hmm. your
2: answer is to get one of the – just find a, an investigator, get, however your family can pay for it. If yeah. you can't afford the lawyer, get the investigator because the investigator is the key to everything. They're the ones that go out and uncover the facts of the case where the attorney, if he's selling you down the river just because it's, it's monetary or if it's, it's, it's to get a promotion – or, you know, it's something that the, the, the district attorney's office is wrapped up in, like this corruption of this police department. You know, you're just a pawn in a chess game, and, and your only hope is through your investigation team. Uh, because you don't know, when you have a public defender, they get paid by the district attorney's office to represent you. And, you know, it's, it's...
1: Actually, actually, that's not true, Sam. Well,
2: I apologize. I might be wrong <laughs> that on that one. That is
1: not true. Yes, they please. don't get paid by the district attorney's well, office. Well, I, I don't know. All person. that money
2: comes from one place. I know that. That covers the, the DA's office and covers the, the public defender's office, and it's the taxpayers. So, you know, who disperses it and who decides who's going to be the yeah. attorneys for what department? I, I'm not a professional in that end of it. But I will tell you that there was a lot to gain uh, down there, you know, with uh, with my... Going to prison for the rest of my life, and uh, you know, I thank God yes, sir. that judge seen through the uh, seen through the paperwork, and basically just told District Attorney Bonnie Demanis flat out that uh, that she could not get Green River out of her eyes in my court case, and that uh, and that he absolutely said this is, has nothing to do with anything Green River, and you know, and that uh, her vision was just locked in on that, and as we all know, Gary Ridgway was you know eventually captured and. Mm-hmm. and, um, you know, answered for, for the crimes that he did. But, you know, San Diego is nothing like Seattle. Uh, Seattle was wanting to get involved with San Diego as, as thinking that the Green River Killer had gone to San Diego. And he, uh, it, you know, they just didn't want nothing to do with, with the Seattle police force. And hey, Sam, let me lo- interrupt
1: a second. Sure, Excuse me. We, we need to take a really quick break. We'll sure. be right back. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back.
0: NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Sam, guy Steve Waters and his private investigator Mike Heiger, here today to update us about his case to clear his name. So, Sam, there an interesting. You were just talking about the judge's interchange with Bonnie Dumanis, and um, the judge took an very unusual position um, before he sentenced you. What was that?
2: Um, What he had done was he had uh, openly made the comments uh, about the fact that. if he was going to sentence me, that he wanted to, do it. He wanted to sentence me based on, on true facts in this case. And he had requested uh, shortly before my sentencing that uh, Bonnie DeManus, uh take Helen Toy and get an independent uh, party to, in, to interview her and get the truth out of her because he honestly didn't believe uh, what she was saying about how she had been hurt and, and the whole thing. So uh, Bonnie did not do that and at the same time um you know the judge had said well mr Waters, you know, let's get somebody to talk to you too and uh you know i mean i was ready to to say whatever you know the truth was i had no hesitation about that but you know the fact is is that uh helen toy wasn't there for the verdict uh when it came out uh in the courtroom i mean if you're a victim you would be in the courtroom i would you know
3: mm-hmm.
2: and also mm-hmm. at the sentencing she wasn't there so the judge couldn't ask her anything so he basically told uh, Bonnie DeManus, uh that this is not a Green River case. You couldn't get Green River out of your eyes, and that I'm and and he looked at me and he asked me if Oregon was still available, and I said, Your Honor, I'm sure it is. He said, Well, you're going to get one year, uh, one year in jail, uh, and uh, I believe it was three or five years probation. And uh, at that point, he looked at the bailiff and he said, How long's Mr. Waters been here? And he said, Well, he's been here according to time slot. Uh, Jail time, uh, it was over a year. He says, Well, Mr. Waters, you're going home today. And his gavel hit the table, and boom, that was it.
1: <clears throat> and, That's amazing. Uh, and, and you were actually convicted of, finally convicted of what?
2: Yeah, I got convicted of uh, kidnap, uh, assault, and assault with great intent. Okay. So, All right. anyway, so at that point, then um,
1: yeah, one of ahead. those charges was overturned on appeal?
2: Uh, yes, yes, one of them was.
1: Okay. And now that we had was discovered one of the assault charges?
2: Okay, so after my release, when I walked out of that jail, it was about 11 o'clock at night. And there was a news, a news, uh, re, a news uh, team there. Uh, I guess there was about five or six of them there, but they waited till 11 to let me out of there. And when I walked out, the uh, the news team said, "Well, Mr. Waters, you know what? What? what you, what's your plans?" I said, "Well, I will tell you this: one, I never did these crimes, and one day I will come back and I will prove my innocence." And that was all I had to say. And uh, so, at that point, my investigation into this, how they did this to me, started that minute. And uh, as my appeal was 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 going through, I had already I uh, had already received a lot of information coming from a lot of different people, and mm-hmm. uh, of facts that uh, that proved that I was maliciously, maliciously, targeted and prosecuted, um, you know, for these crimes and. Um, but I could not use any of that in the appeal process. I couldn't bring any of it forward. Right. And uh, not only that, but it was very dangerous. Yeah.
1: So how did you get Mike involved?
2: Um, as, I, as I had uh, moved up to, there were some incidences that occurred in San Diego, and I just looked at my wife and I said, that's it, we're out of here. So I got my family together, and we moved up to Oregon and got reestablished, and I let a few years go by, and I continued on with the investigation work uh, through different investigators. And so I, for 25 years, I've been paying uh, multiple different investigators to do multiple different uh, jobs for me that I had done research in the, in the paperwork that I have. And uh, Mike uh, came to me referred by, um, I believe her name was Elizabeth. I uh, can't remember her last name right now at this moment, but um, out of Oregon. And uh, his name was given to me as uh, uh, just highly recommended, uh, has, a, has, a, has a great understanding for the judicial system, uh, and at that point, I made the call to him, and uh, he accepted to go to go to work with me.
1: And how long ago was that?
2: I believe it's been a, it's been a couple of years. Um, I think it was in 2010 uh, was when we first made contact with uh, with Mike.
1: Okay, and then since that time, you've written a
2: book. Uh, yes, I have.
1: And you've got you're on your second book. Yes, I am. Okay, and the first book is is called uh, the Glesty Waters story,
2: correct? Yeah, the title of the book. You can go to Facebook and uh, look it up. It's wrongly accused, the Glesty Waters story, and it's spelled G L E S T Y.
1: Okay, all right. So, bring me up to date, guys, on what's happened since our last show.
4: Well, I can. I don't know if Sam wants to speak or I can, but I nope. know they're turning. Mike, we're. <laughs> Well, we're, we're still working on this, and there's things that's evolving all the time um, with this. And now what's interesting is is not only are there things evolving from Sam's case, but across the nation. Uh, and in that respect, with it is that there was just a gentleman that was just released um, after doing 28 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and that was back east. And so we're seeing more and more of the situation coming to light of people being wrongly mm-hmm. accused and being, being right. convicted and incarcerated. And that particular gentleman had already been convicted and was incarcerated for two years earlier before Sam's case ever started.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And mm-hmm. so this is something that's showing up more and more as an epidemic. In regards to Sam's situation, um, there's... We have been in touch with attorneys uh, down in California on several different cases. I'm not at liberty to mention the cases that the DA has been involved in um, and that we can clearly show that the pattern is the same. Um, basically, what they did was they, they made the rule book uh, and used, when they, when they did Sam's case, we're not saying he was the first victim, but they found out that, what they used in that respect worked and they've continued to use it for the last 26 years. And there's cases that are still showing up and current cases, if you'll, if you check the news down there um, that are showing up where the same patterns being used, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the same, the same types of, of um, actions that are being taken place. Uh, I know with Sam's case that the one thing, aside from the uh, court-appointed attorney selling him downriver, the one thing that he he did advise Sam to do is to take the proper measures uh, to be able to file uh, legal uh, papers in that regard with it as far as the fact against the the county and the uh, city down there, and he has that still available to him, so that is something we're looking into.
1: Okay. So, all right. So... I know when we talked the last time, you had planned on contacting Helen Toy.
4: We have tried, in that respect with it. She is not. We know what state she's living in. Um, her sister is shielding her, and she's not speaking to us. But we have uh, spoken several times uh, to Helen Toy's husband, Lerone Toy, uh, and he has agreed to give a statement and has already given us verbal statements as to where he was the night in question that she claims that she disappeared that she was abducted um, larone toy was basically acting as her pimp and he has made statements to us that he was actually down the street and acro- across the street and down one block when he seen her get into uh, a station wagon uh, the night that she was supposedly abducted by Sam, and then Sam didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that mean that shows us that there was someone else. There was someone else that was driving that station wagon that's in question, uh, and and her own husband witnessed her get in the vehicle.
1: And <laughs> was she actually missing?
4: Well, she supposedly been picked up by a John in that regard, to with it, and Helen also had disappeared for about five or six days, and her husband was known to um, basically uh, be violent towards her, and there had been talk that she had made this story up, uh, mainly to cover um, her being missing for five or six days so that when she did go home, that she would not receive a beating.
1: Mm, Okay, okay.
4: Tell, uh, Mike,
2: uh, tell uh, Francie about the uh, station wagon and the repair shop. Information.
4: Well, they Helen Toy states that she was picked up by a, a, a person that was driving a white station wagon, and um, we Sam's family had looked into this long before I came into this, and they found a repair shop and um, found out about a white station wagon that actually was a uh, a loaner that the repair shop used and gave to clients and I called the repair shop and this is 26 years after the fact I called the repair shop and talked to the manager gave me a statement and he says yes in fact he said we do we did use the white station wagon we did in fact know um, who was driving the station wagon uh, who we loaned the station wagon out to who was driving it and um, we turned that information or attempted to turn that information over to the San Diego detectives uh, when they came by, and the response that the San Diego detectives gave is that, uh, well, we really don't need it because we already have our man.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right. And these
2: are the two, detec- the two detectives uh, that were operating in my case uh, John Lasardi and Jeff Dean.
1: Okay, now, w- one of those ahead. detectives um, left the department under a cloud, correct?
2: I don't have a correct answer for you on that one.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, let me back well, out was, of that question. There was, a,
2: there was a detective by the name of, uh, well, well, Donna Gentile, as I was saying, was the first of 45 uh, prostitutes and drug users to be murdered in San Diego County from 85 to 88. And Donna Gentile had, had gone to the grand jury and turned in a number of uh, detectives for wrongdoing. Uh, she predicted her own, her own death six weeks before her body was found. She went on TV, uh, a video was done of her and her attorney stating that if, that if I come up missing or am found dead, it's going to be by somebody under the color of the law behind a badge. And six weeks later, they found her dead body. And she was the first of 45. And uh, okay. there's been a story done in the past, it's called No Humans Involved, where mm-hmm. the quality of the investigation work on, on prostitutes and drug addicts that are found murdered that they don't do the same as if it was a college student in a in a college dorm or a, an apartment that gets gets murdered, that uh, gets in a very extensive uh, investigation process to find the person that is guilty for the crime. And was that and,
1: a, Stan? Was that a general story or was that a story about San Diego?
2: No, it it was actually uh, I believe it was done in '93. Uh, there was an artist that came to San Diego, and uh, you can look it up on Google. Uh, no humans involved. San Diego prostitute murders. And there's a complete story on it. It's, it's an amazing read uh, of the work that went into that. And to this day, as, as I understand it, 22 of the 45 victims have still not been, uh, those cases have not been solved. And uh, the, the remainder of 22 from 45 are extremely questionable. But, okay. uh, and then, you know, and Donna Gentile, she, she, she filed complaints against seven cops, and one of them was the detective in my case.
4: Well, in Donna okay. Gentile's case, they also the murderer also sent out a message, because uh, after she made the press statement that she, if she was found dead, that it would be a, a cop. Six weeks later, she was found dead, and what they also found was they found rocks um, shoved down her throat. Um, her throat was completely full of rocks, and this is this is basically a message that's put out from somebody for uh, signifying that you're you're a rat mm-hmm. and okay. so they they left a they not only murdered her but they left a very potent message um for everyone else to see
1: okay now we're going to have gail moffitt join us and so we're going to take a quick break so can gel can uh join the program and she's the mother of one of the victims that is still unsolved in san diego we'll be right back
0: NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F R A N C I E at PIsDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
1: Joining Sam and Mike this morning is Gail Moffat. Welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you. Now, Gail, your daughter, what was her name? Diana. Diana. She went missing in what year? 87,
5: 1987, in fact, it was July of 1987.
1: Okay. Tell me what happened. Tell me and that was in San Diego. That was in San Diego.
5: Diana was compelled and promoted into prostitution by a pimp by the name of Adrian Coleman. He took Diana down there on um, in, uh, in July of 1987. And the funny thing about it was she had talked to a police officer in Portland and told him that she was getting out, that this was her last trip to San Diego. Well, indeed it was. Diana was murdered in San Diego. And um, the funniest part about this whole situation anytime Diana tried to leave Adrian Coleman, Adrian Coleman, his family or friends, always made contact by calling me, her father, her grandmother, to try to get get her back into his grips. This mm-hmm. time, he never did. He was the one that reported her missing. Red flag. Pimps never report their girls missing,
1: ever. Mm, interesting.
5: Very interesting. That was the biggest red flag that, that came up to Portland. Di- prior to Diana leaving with him in July, in December, She filed charges against him. She was trying to break the connection, and she filed compelling and promoting charges. Two weeks to three weeks later, she dropped the charges. Three months later, she went back to Adrian Coleman in March, and um, he got her back on the streets um, prostituting. And finally in July, he took her to San Diego, and that's where she was murdered. In my thoughts, and in my beliefs, and in the beliefs of the Portland police, because they thoroughly investigated Adrian Coleman, not only on the vice part of it, but they got involved in the homicide. Uh They investigated. They had so much evidence against this Adrian Coleman. Some of it was very circumstantial, but it was evidence. Uh San Diego would not look at that evidence. Interesting. Portland. Portland couldn't understand why they wouldn't listen to him. Portland kept sending things down to him, but they would not talk to him. And they were getting very frustrated. It was like, don't step on our territory. Mm-hmm. This is our territory. You do not belong here. That was the vision they were given. They would not even talk to me. They did not ask me any questions
1: of who her friends the San, were.
5: The San, San Diego police would not talk guy. to you.
1: Anything. I'm sorry. You said the San Diego police wouldn't talk to you?
5: No. Well, they they would talk to me, but they never asked me any questions. They came to Portland 2 weeks after um uh, we buried Diana. We got her ba- she she was found in October, and it was a miracle they ever found her. A road crew was digging out a ditch and they unearthed her remains.
3: Mm.
5: Okay. So, you know, um they came to Portland two weeks after we buried her. The most important thing, they didn't really want it, they talked to me for five minutes. What they wanted, they want to go to Diana's grandmother's house and get records, uh, telephone records, because someone had said, and I know Diana had called, she had called collector grandmother down there in July, on July 21st or 22nd, and trying to get a hold of her dad. They wanted that information because somehow it came out that it was coming from a police department or close to the police department. Well, that's what they wanted for. They wanted to know if police were involved. And -hmm. that's the only thing they were interested in, is to find those records, nothing else. Well, I was told by someone that got fired at the police department before the task force ever started, that they were going to start investigating the city of San Diego for corruption, that they were going, they believed, truly believed, that high officials in San Diego were running parties with prostitutes and that Diana was just the type of girl they would want. Mm -hmm. Well, after the fact, this officer apparently left the department. I was so treated so poorly by the San Diego authorities, our authorities, our um, district attorneys in Portland, even looked into my recourse against them. But, of course, you cannot hold any public official, like the police or anybody else, accountable for anything.
1: Yeah.
5: And that's the sad part. They can ruin an investigation Or anything else, but they're not held accountable. And just like Sam said, they had a focus. They had a vision. They wanted to become the most, quote, successful task force in history. They stated that in a newspaper article. We are Uh the most successful task force in history. Their goal was, their goal was to get these girls lumped into serial killers. We can lump them all together there. Then we don't have to worry about it. I, I, I can't tell you. It's been 26 years now, going on 27 years. I constantly call. I constantly mm-hmm. ask questions, and I am shut down every single time. I How painful really you. feel that there is some cover up going on down there. I really do on my daughter's case. But who do I go to? How can I get help? You can't go to the DA there because she was involved in the task force. You can't, and and that's another question I have. There's that task force sitting there. How do, do they put on that task force a detective that was known to be associating with prostitutes at parties, but he's sitting on the task force. How do they put a detective on that task force that no, Donna Gentelli accused of harassment, but he's sitting on that task force? There is, mm. That task force needs to be investigated. But, but who do I go? Where do yeah. I go to get that help? help? I can't go to the officials in, in California because they can be influenced by the individuals that are sitting in office today. So who do I reach out to? What authorities can I go to? I'm not a person that has a lot of money. I can't hire a private investigator right, to get right. all these facts for me.
1: And, Gail, you and there are two other mothers that have been quite vocal, um, mothers of, the, of uh, the two of the other victims. Is that right? Yes. I
5: have not spoken to them, um, I you know, I've 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 just tried to work hard trying to talk to detectives and everything else. Even the head DA when they were running that task force, he said to me, Her case is sealed and you will mm-hmm. never ever see what's in that file. And okay. I mean I've had comments to them. From them telling me that parents didn't care. They, uh, to my face, I had a detective say those girls were prostitutes. They, had their, they were alienated from their parents, the parents said, and they, they alienated their parents, and they just didn't care. I mean, I looked at that detective and I almost lost it. I mean, they had even mm. told me Diana knew what she was doing, she needed to take responsibility for her own death. But what are they covering up? Why won't they look at Adrian Coleman? Why won't they investigate that side of it? When we took Adrian Coleman to court on a racketeering case in Portland, the last three days for his sentencing was all about his involvement with Diana. And during that time period, in private chambers, the DA told me this, the judge said, Adrian Coleman is in a world of hurt on this Moffat murder. But San Diego will not do anything about it. What are they hiding? What won't they tell me? Why won't they tell me? Mm -hmm. 26 years, all I wanted was the truth. Truth. Why won't you look at this individual?
1: Is there really corruption going on there? Was that what was happening down there? At the time, I don't know. And, Gail, how did you get connected with Sam?
5: Well, I just got a phone call from Mike, and Mike started telling me about it. And the more I heard about Sam's story, I'm going, well, that's exactly how basically I'm being treated. It was like they just shuffled the papers under, and they only took what they want. They wanted to look at Diana's case. They were going to push her in with the serial killers. Since that time period, I have talked to people down there. I'm not going to mention who it was. And this individual told me, he said, I can't tell you it was Porter, the serial killer, but I can tell you the case was not investigated the way it should have been investigated. The M.O. is not the same. Mm -hmm. See, so what they were doing, and, and you know, I don't throw the word corruption around um, lightly. I really don't. I had to research what that really meant, and, and what, you know, especially in police corruption, and I wrote it, and, and, and one of the ways it, they could be corrupt is for financial benefits or personal gain or career advancement. And most of those individuals that sat on that task force were promoted okay. um, to the DA's office, higher up. Was that what they were trying to do? I do understand that they were running out of money at that time period when they were closing it down. Mm -hmm. Were they trying to just say, okay, these last 16 girls that we don't have enough evidence, but we—they said, but we know it was this person because of fibers, blood stains, and personal articles uh, that point to the serial killer at that point I called down there and I said can you tell me in Diana's case did you find personal items? Did you find blood stains? Did you find fibers? No, not in Diana's case. Then I said then why and how can you lump her together with all these other
1: girls?
3: Yeah,
5: They had yeah. no answer
1: for me.
3: Okay, The main we, answer was I'm we, sorry. Need,
1: we need to take another break and we're going to have another couple of people join us. Um, but Essentially, what we have is a lot of, you, you know there's something wrong, but you aren't able to prove it. That's, that's kind of the problem with what's going on with San Diego. I know that, that Mike and Sam have evidence they can't disclose at the moment, but they're certainly working on it. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at one 472 5788 That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler.
1: Just a summary here. We've been talking to Sam Waters about his horrible story of being uh, <clears throat> wrongfully accused and convicted. Um, we're talking to Mike Kiger, his private investigator from Oregon, and joining us last um, the last segment was Gail Moffett, whose daughter, Diana, was one of the 45 unsolved murders in San Diego from the uh, 19, late 1980s, early 1990s. And now we have two more people, Kevin Hayes, and Bill Brock. Kevin, um, you're getting ready to produce a film on Sam Waters' story. Is that right?
3: Yes, yes.
1: Okay, so evidently you were captured by his story, from what I understand.
6: Absolutely. Uh, Bill had actually gotten in contact with me uh, through the connection with with Sam and uh, said, hey, this is is an opportunity unlike uh, any other. We've got a, a corrupt judicial system that... Uh, needs to be exposed. Are you down for helping us create a documentary that does expose what really happened to, uh, this, this gentleman, uh, 20 years ago? W- what do you think about doing that? And I, I'm actually a four time award winning producer, and I said, this is, this is right down my alley. Uh, I got in, in contact with Sam and, uh, Mike. And we talked for several hours, just kind of getting his backstory, uh, where he'd come from, and got very excited, uh, felt it personally that, that this is something that I need to not only help Sam with, but to also do what I love, and that's create uh, documentaries and films to, to expose the truth about what really mm-hmm. happened.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you think you're going to have difficulty interviewing these people in San Diego?
6: You know, uh, my goal right now is to, to get down to San Diego to pretty much stake out what's going on down there. I, I plan on, you know, two weeks of just kind of seeing where people are at. Yes, I do find it uh, difficult to to try and track them down. Uh, but like with any news story, and I've worked with, with news stations all across the U.S., uh, I know how to get the interviews. I know how to, to stop someone in the middle of the street and say, hey, I need to talk to you about this. Uh, so, whereas it's going to be difficult to narrow it down and to actually get them to, to talk to me, uh, I think I think it'll happen. What
1: well, And Kevin, what are your other award-winning films?
6: Uh, you know what, right now we have Two documentaries that I did, uh, one in Tennessee and then one in Georgia that uh, I won uh, documentary uh, awards for, as well as two other music videos uh, that I did in Nashville uh, for up-and-coming artists, and one of them actually signed with uh, a label out of New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have two producer awards, as well as uh, two... um, uh, other awards for for filmmaking
1: and the two documentaries that you won awards for were they uh... of a similar nature or was it a different subject altogether
6: it's, it's all different you know this is actually my first to do something of this extent uh... the other ones were on uh... the other one was on a white supremacist out of out of tennessee nashville and the uh... the other one was on drug abuse in in and around uh... atlanta
1: mm-hmm. okay. And what's your timeline on this?
6: You know, right now we're we're open to it. Uh, what we've got to do is we've got to uh, we've got to start developing the story as as we've been doing for the past several months uh, with not only uh, Sam and Mike but with what's going on in San Diego. So right now we're looking at probably about a year out to uh, to release the documentary, and uh, our goal is this summer to get it all all filmed.
1: Oh, great. Okay, and then Bill, what's your role in this whole process?
3: Well, uh, I uh, kind of serendipitously met Sam, and uh, he, uh, when he, he uh, related to me his, his the history of what had happened to him, it, it absolutely fascinated me, and offered to uh, produce and finance uh, the, uh, uh, the the film. And actually, bring to to light the the how the the might the entire might of a state um, can be brought against an individual by those that are rewarded for convictions and not the truth. And I didn't feel that uh, that Sam was alone in the, this event, and that uh, this needed to be a lead story and something that is apparently chronic throughout the entire nation. And it's time that we heard it and responded to it. Uh, because uh, of its complete uh, outrageous impact on our, on our nation and our judicial system. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, seems, it does seem like there is a, a lot of exonerations going on. If you, you know, just watch the news, it seems like there were actually three in Northern California last year, all from DNA. So um, there is a lot. And not, you know, In not France just see. Yeah,
6: yeah, if you if you look at the fact that there are so many people right now on death row who are innocent, uh, this is just the start to what what could possibly be become more. Because here's here's just one person that is innocent that was convicted. There are so many others that will come forward because of what we're doing here with this documentary that will say, hey. I was wrongly wrongly accused of, of something that was done several years ago, uh, my daughter, my son, whatever. You know, this is an opportunity that more people will come forward to us and say, would you be willing to help us expose? Would you be willing to document what what happened in our lives? So there's a lot out there that, that need this. So
1: which. Brings a question: If you, uh, if there's anybody that's listening to the show that has information for this documentary, how would you like them to contact you?
6: Uh, you yep. know what the best option right now is to uh, to get in touch with us via our Facebook page, uh, which is as Sam had mentioned earlier. It's just Facebook.com forward slash the Waters story, uh, and you can actually uh, send us a message directly there, which we check. Uh, four or five times a day. And okay. if there's any information that you say, hey, I know more about this, please uh, get in touch with us. We, we want to hear hear what you, you have to say.
1: Okay, but isn't this an open Facebook?
3: It
6: I mean, is. Some, uh, that's yeah. why I suggest that they, they actually uh, send us a, a, a private message.
1: Okay. So, emphasis on private message because yes. I'm sure if somebody <laughs> wants to give information, they're want, not going to want well, the world to see it.
4: Well, Francie also I'm willing this is my Kiger, I'm willing to give up my email address to if, if they want to contact me, which is missing at MSN.com, and it's M I S S I N G I N C at M S N Okay,
1: great. That's and missing ink is all one word one yes. word?
4: Yes. Okay. Lowercase.
1: That's- that's perfect. And and I can also say if uh, if you're listening out there and you want to send me uh, information, you can also do that address to Francie at pisdeclassified.com, com and I would be happy to forward on the information as well. You guys, we are this is uh amazing process. It's really interesting to be involved in in the process <coughs> from From where we started, uh, when I met Sam and Mike, or I already knew Mike, but met Sam a couple years ago to uh, moving forward, I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. And thank you, Bill, for stepping up to the plate. That's wonderful. I'm sure Sam is very appreciative. Um, We have to close the show. I apologize. Uh, There's so much more to say and so little time, but... um, we continue to offer content of interest to private investigators and other legal professionals, and challenge the existing TV, negative TV and movie myths. So, if you're interested in advertising on PIS Declassified, you can contact my wonderful producer of this show, Sandra Rogers, at sandra s a n d r a dot rogers r o g e r s at voiceamerica and thanks to my great engineers who organize this program. Uh, tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified and Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening.
0: You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified.